Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. Welcome to this week's episode of The Nero Show. In today's episode, cycling YouTube, it's back. Lantern Rouge interview, Ineos, Dan Bigham, our record video, absolutely on fire. My Alviso debut, and what is it really like to ride with the vegan cyclist? What does Nero actually mean? And what is the best length of ride you can do? All right, let's get into it. Some big numbers this week. On YouTube, Jesse, a lot of channels, a lot of creators, a lot of cyclists putting content up and people are getting around it. There's a, there's a, there's a lot of news happening. YouTube's back seemingly. We were writing it off a few weeks ago, but it's back. But it's back kind of, it feels different. It feels different. So I want to start with uh, the big interview, the the Lantern Rouge, uh, Benji, Nathan, Remco, I'm not going to try and do the way you say it, Patrick, Ivanopol uh, interview. Firstly, JC, how, like, just just talking about the interview itself, and any takeaways in terms of what Remco said, how he said it, like, wh- what are you kind of thinking there? It's about as much tea as you're going to get from a, from a pro cyclist. And that's the problem with a lot of the pro interviews and podcasts. I never usually bother spending too much time listening to because you just go, oh, we're just going to get the same old sort of stuff. It's not going to be that interesting. But they managed to just have so many lines of inquiry that they pulled so much out of it that it was definitely uh, worth listening to. And by God, I mean, imagine if he sat down to do that interview, the amount of stuff the two of them know where they can just pull these questions out, it's, it blows my mind. It, yeah, it's all, it's all good and well for us to sit around and go, oh, you know, they created a good atmosphere for him and we have the right questions. But just the, the bank of knowledge that those two boys had where they were able to, you know, there was like a tennis match of, of information but between them and they knew kind of, you know, obviously they know the Remco story so well. And, you know, the junior teams, the, the guys that were on the junior teams with him and that whole environment of that discussion i think i I want to sort of get to this but that seemed to relax him because it clearly felt to me like he he felt like he was sitting down with two guys at the pub or two guys at the cafe and like they were just chatting chatting cycling but the other reason why i liked it as well was it had things like that like talking about his up coming through the ranks which is kind of interesting but maybe not uh entertaining if you will, but they then they had they came in with the sort of YouTuber questions like the who rank the climbers and um, you know how'd you work on your sprint like the real fun nugget of gold sort of topics and then spread it out with the sort of nerdy pro cycling super sycophant uh, lines of inquiry and it struck a really good balance there. So uh, yeah, I think they did really well because if it's if it's all that hyper fan, just nerdy questions, I'd probably tune out. I was so I was so waiting for the you know rate your rate your favorite bike tubeless or clincher you know a rim brake or disc brake you know I, I kind of felt like those questions were weren't too far away but we, I think we got yeah we got just the right amount so that's kind of one half of what I want to talk about with that interview. The other half I think. Is the reaction, or at least the way 
the mainstream media sort of dealt with this. So obviously the, the way that going to happen is that was put up on, on YouTube and then the sort of the articles started coming out after it. And it was really bizarre from a, a sort of spectator's perspective seeing it because, you know, I watched, watched the interview, right? And then logged on to Twitter or whatever it was not too long after that. And all of a sudden the articles start coming up about Remco uh, Remco's decided to stay with um, uh, De Koenig, et cetera, et cetera. And then it gets a little bit more sort of odd in the sense that, you know, Remco's ranking, the way that it was being posted specifically on Velon, it was like he was ranking the riders and he was putting himself as an, uh, an elitist. And it, it felt like, well, for starters, it, was, it wasn't very obvious where some of those media outlets were getting the information, being the Lantern Rouge interview. But also, they weren't quite sure how to distribute the the information. Did you? I, I didn't look at it as closely as you did, I don't think. But I did start to laugh in the 24 hours after the interview. And then the articles had come out. And now the ones, to be fair, the ones I saw all did uh, give attribution to the Lantern Rouge interview for the, whenever they quoted it. But it was funny. It was, to me, I had a little chuckle where you've got news articles doing stories about an interview with a pro cyclist from a YouTuber. It's just, it is kind of full circle a little bit. I, I did like that. I, I, I think um, the Lantern Rouge guys also as well would probably have a little s smile on their face that the mainstream media is using their interview, essentially doing their job for them. And then the news articles are going in like vultures and picking out news stories from a, a YouTuber's interview. I, I thought that was quite good. I, I really liked that. For me, though, it kind of, it showed a little bit of the shortcomings, I think, of where the, the legacy media is coming from. Like, perfect example of this, right, is, so there's a section in the, the interview where Remco was, was talking about how the media was misconstruing the way that he was, um, or his personality, et cetera, et cetera. And he was coming across, and I, I 100, was one, one of the reasons I was so interested in watching this interview is I had this impression of him as a arrogant little shit, all right? That's that's my impression of him going into this, and again, was probably one of the reasons I was so fascinated to watch this. I watched this interview with two guys that I know pretty well, and I'm like, you know what? Like that's one of the best interviews I've seen with a with an athlete in a long time, and it's completely changed my impression of. It. Maybe I'm easily easily led, but it's funny. You watch it, you go, "Wow, much more interesting character." Blah 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 blah. But if you didn't watch that and you just read the articles and the headlines that were coming out in the mainstream stuff, he was being portrayed as an arrogant little shit in the way they were portraying the articles. Think like the way he was portrayed as talking about, oh, we need more help at our current team. Like I'm it's a it's a absolute cutthroat, you know, it's just a demand. We must have more help. I need more riding domestics, whatever, etc. And if I just read that, it would have totally just fed into the narrative that I'd always had about Ringo as this arrogant little shit. So I, I don't know. I just feel like we're in this really interesting space and we're going to get more into it as we go along today. That, that form of media, they don't know how to handle us, quote unquote. Not, we're not a great example, but any any form of, of new content, they don't know whether to collaborate with us or we're complete competition and just don't don't acknowledge we exist, which has been the, the case in the past. So Look, that's a discussion, a broader discussion to, to have in the, in the future. But I certainly came away from that as going, geez, this is a really, this is a really obvious um, litmus test for how they, how they handle information like this. I think as well, the interesting thing for me as well with the interview, which is I was curious on, because they did the preview, it was blowing up on Twitter before they even released it. And so there's a lot of hype. And as of today, so it was released six days ago, it's on 174,000 views. And you can imagine the average watch time. It's an hour and 48 minute long interview. The average watch time would, would be, you know, it's probably 30 minutes plus. Uh, so big, in terms of cycling YouTube, a 
big, big piece of content. And I was going in, and there's there's no there's no sponsor, which is interesting. And I think it's helped it's helped the um it's helped them in this interview. So there's there's it's you know they, it's not brought to you by Zwift or brought to you by anything. It's basically just their interview. Um, and I think that's probably helped them, uh, just because having seen some of the the content that comes out of team branded uh, channels or. I guess it's different when you've got a podcast. You can have a you know a sponsor probably not pulling on the story too much, but the fact that, that those two guys could just come in with the sole goal of producing the best interview they could and not have any slight like imagine if that was a you know specialized had put that together, put that interview together. You're not going to get the same quality of interview. Uh, now, unfortunately for the guys, without having a sponsor um, for that video, it's probably not bringing in as much cash, but I thank them for their service because that that just allowed them full full reign to just yeah to make it all it is and you're not going to get that with a a regular um a regular branded interview a lot of the time. Um, did you have anything else on that, Chris? Because I I did wanted to go into the team produced content because there was a bit more on that on YouTube this week. Did you have anything else on the Remco story? No. Uh, the only other quick question I was going to ask was, I mean Remco. Do you think there's any other interview, there's any other rider that would hit as hard, would, I mean, when I saw that as a thumbnail, I was like, oh my God, this is massive. Like, and I went back thinking about, is there any other rider who I would have had that reaction to? Is, do you, I, I'm struggling. I think, I think that's the kingpin in terms of getting, getting info I, I would probably have a similar reaction to a, a Vanderpool long-form interview. Um, because I don't really know anything about him personally. I don't know what he's... I've heard stories about what he's like. I don't know anything really about him. The, the, like even a Taday, you kind of know what you're going to get. Um, Vingegaard. I mean, what's he... Yeah. <laughs> Chat with a potato. Um... Like, yeah, probably Vanderpool for me. Wait, anyone else who, who, could you think of anyone? No, that that was kind of my point is like, I didn't feel like there's anyone else in the site. Cause I think there is that thing about him, that kind of mystery that the thing I talked about, obviously earlier about the way he's being portrayed, et cetera, et cetera. And yeah, I just, I don't have any, yeah, I just really think that and the timing was like so perfect. It's like wins the, wins the ITT and then bang this sort of thing it's like you could not have timed that better lads chapeau well done we will move on jc uh yeah you wanted to mention some other things going on yeah so the other piece of pro cycling thing that came out on youtube was an ineos uh video on dan bigham's hour record and a lot of the time if it's an ef video it's it's an ineos video i don't even bother clicking because i just it's not going to show anything it's like b-roll of the bike a story about how they miss their family and that's about it. There's nothing in them almost all the time. But I clicked on this one and it was freaking very, very good. So it was about uh, Dan Bigham's, let me bring it up. It was about Dan Bigham's basically preparation to, to break the hour record. Uh, 17 minutes long. It's actually, it's on 100,000 views already in two days. So it's, it's doing well. And But it wasn't just fluff. Because they actually showed detail on the training he did, some of his equipment prep, um, and specifics on the training as well. They showed him uh, some of his uh, heat acclimation protocols, some of his pre-event cooling strategies. They actually went that next step further and, yeah, and actually kind of spilled a bit of... I wouldn't say they gave too much away, but they gave a, they gave a bit away. I mean, if, if you're going and doing an hour record there's stuff in here which you which you could use and i thought that was really cool and it actually made it interesting to me so i think um big props to to ineos for doing that i really liked it so that was just just to to fill me in that was a an ineos branded bit of content so on their their youtube page with their branding etc etc this wasn't a dan bigham separate sort of thing their YouTube channel, it was their film crew. It was, yep, yeah, yep. Yeah. It was them. It looked like it was them probably three days before the hour record and then them on the day. 
So just to clarify, you're big upping Ineos for going after an hour record a week after whinging that they chasing mountain bike races. Just 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 to just to clarify, just to ensure that we are contradicting ourselves once again. Oh no, I couldn't care less about the hour record. I I, I could care I could care less about the uh, producing good training related content for YouTube. I think it's a good service. So how did that how did that compare then to because I know Remco Remco's on YouTube. Welcome Remco. Um, he did one similar. Which well, I'm not gonna okay. I'm not gonna say he did one because I'm pretty sure he wasn't editing that deep the night before uh, ITT, but I'm sure he had a look at it before it went live. He's got a media team looking after it. But this was interesting because this is on Remco's. This is what I thought was interesting. It's on Remco's YouTube channel. It's not on a quick step or any anything sort of branded like that. It doesn't it's not on a specialized thing. This is Remco on YouTube. Now, did how do the two compare? Because I'll kind of we're looking at ITT stuff. Okay, Remco's one also was... I'd say Remco's one was okay. The Ineos one was way better because in Remco's one, he actually doesn't really say anything. He kind of, It's him showing his aero uh, track testing protocol, basically day testing on the track, without really giving any... He doesn't have that next level where he's actually giving any insights, I'd say. So it was interesting to watch for you know an entertainment point of view. I would say it was if I rated them, I'd say Remco's video was a was a six out of ten. I'd say most uh, now the context there. I would say most team produced YouTube videos are like a three at best. So he he stepped it up with that video, and the Ineos one I'd say is about an eight or about an eight about as. Eight or nine, really, about as much as you're going to get from a team-related video without them literally laying out the entire heat <laughs> mitigation strategy for the hour record, which I don't expect them to do. So it's, you know, the Ineos one about as good as you're going to get. I really liked it. Remco's one, step in the right direction. But imagine, that's why it was so good, him just doing it himself with his own media company. Because imagine if that was specialized there doing that. It just wouldn't be as good. Wouldn't be as good. And Little um, a little birdie was talking to me last week or week before. Uh, you know the, I think you mentioned it there. The EF they have like this race TV series, quote unquote, which is sort of following the race teams, the men's and the women's teams, and putting some videos up on YouTube. Um, could you ever guess what the six month budget of production is? So this is what EF are paying a production team to produce that content. It's <laughs> no, Hang on. Oh, I take, an I should take whatever that. figure I'm going to get, and I'll, I'll quadruple. I'll quadruple it. Two hundred fifty thousand US dollars. Yep. Do for a six month production. Now, with that, obviously, there is a bit of there is a bit of travel. I will give them that. There's going to be you know yep. Tour de France. There's going to be Giro's. There's going to be you know a, a good bit of travel. I understand that, but yeah, that that is the the budget that we're looking at, which I thought was really interesting because. That doesn't blow my mind for what a production um, uh, like schedule and cost would be for for that kind of length of time. But geez, the return on investment is pretty low when you look at the kind of numbers that 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 channel is getting. It feels like a, a strange amount of money to pay to really not push it. It uh, it, it almost it almost feels like sort of ticking a box. Yes, our social media budget has been spent. Tick. Um, again, not going to take this down the route of, of how much money gets wasted in the bike industry, but I just wanted to quickly mention that. These videos are doing terribly. I mean, the road ones are lucky to crack... The road ones are lucky to crack 10K. And the funny thing is, the ones that are all 50,000 plus views are the gravel ones. It's the light... It's, it's <laughs> Leadville Trail, Lachlan Morton, and then you scroll down and it's Keegan Swenson at an unlikely Giro and Explore series, 99,000. It's all the off-road stuff that's getting the views. The road stuff is... I mean, I don't want to just sound like I'm hating on them for no, re for no reason. I'm, I'm glad they're trying. But, like, guys, try harder. Like, produce, like actually create something that's valuable. I mean, this... Because it can do well. The Remco's video is on, what's, he's on over 300,000. The Ineos one's already on 100,000 because it actually provided something valuable to the person watching, so. 
But that's the point, Jesse. It's like the, I, I feel like that's why the Enios one's like the outlier because people are so put off by um, the, the big branded channel trying to tell a personal story that they're not interested. They see kind of straight through it. That's why the Dan Bingham thing's, I think, very, very well done. And it's, it's using him as a character as well. He's an interesting character. He's got this kind of balance between being the, the essentially the, the performance director and also the elite athlete. So there's a story there. Whereas, you know, what what does a pro cyclist eat the state, but the day before a stage, Stephen? Like, really? Oh, oh, we know it's just going to be the sponsor's product that is your is your thing. So yeah, that's, that's kind of, it's almost a bit arrogant of them to upload a video with the idea that, Oh, well it's EF. Let's just, let's just get a camera crew to follow you around and we'll stick it up and it should get decent views because you're pro cyclists, but it doesn't work. I mean, half these videos don't crack 10 K. So who, you know, like <laughs> it seems, it does seem a little arrogant just to expect it to get views. Cause it says EF on the thumbnail. You've got Alex Dowsett written down here, Jesse. Are we? We're not going to hate on him again, are we? I mean, come on. Let the bloke just ride his bike. Leave him alone. Why did I put? Why did I put this in? Why did I put this in? Oh no! Oh, his. They did that chain. He did a chain. A uh, chain gang. A chain gang. A chop off video. Um. And, and okay, what? I'm really nitpicking here. I, I was almost going to leave this out, but I'll, I'll leave it in anyway because it's just the at the. I may be I may be just reading way too much into this, but so um, uh, uh, mate of ours Steve, who's who's back over the, uh, moved back to the UK, was here for a while. Um, yeah, Steve's back in the UK, Chris. Um, he 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 joined them, and in the video, he's on the start line, and Steve rides an S Works SL6. Great bike. The thing's probably lucky to be over about 6.2 kilos. And he's got a nice set of MVs on it. Fantastic bike. And there's one snippet at the start of that video where Alex is filming the start and they're saying, oh, S-Works, S-Works, S-Works. Look, everyone's on an S-Works. And he goes, points the camera at Steve and is like, oh, what's, what bike are you on? He says, and Steve says, I'm on S-Works, SL6 rim brake. And Alex's straight reaction the first thing he says isn't oh that's oh nice yeah SL6 from a few years ago yeah good bikes yeah nice isn't something sort of fun or supportive it, it, it's oh the internet you know the internet thinks that's a fast bike oh okay right, right. okay so the guy on a you know ex very expensive bike from not that long ago I mean the SL6 is only well, it was one generation ago, if not three weeks ago. And, I mean, it is a fast bike. But instead of just being happy for him on an S-Works, he has to kind of make this point of, as if it's a conspiracy theory, that an SL6 is a good bike, and you're a bit silly for not being on the SL7 or the SL8. You know, am I reading into that? I love it, Jesse. I love it. You have the, the tinfoil hat is so firmly, firmly on top of you. That's fantastic. I love it. I, I, I must admit, I did. Yeah, I just can't imagine you know, myself on a ride to kind of poke fun at someone's bike because, because it's not the latest disc brake version. You're, if you're riding an SL6 rim brake, you're some internet conspiracy theorist that thinks that your bike's fast i don't know i'm okay so i'm thinking back i'm thinking back to when we were at i can't remember what the event was it was the snowy classic and we were there i was on the start line and i remember looking around and i i think one of the guys we were talking to he was on like a, a focus was like rim brake he had like super lightweight wheels on and I did say something like, um, like, oh, like anti, your anti disc brake or, or like some kind of conspiracy theory-ish type thing. Like you're not going to buy into this disc brake rubbish or anything like that. And co commenting on the fact that he'd 
clearly was pushing back. I, I, I did, I did go down that route. It was a talking point, but, but not everyone running rim breaks is a, is me running them kind of out of spite. Some people just don't update their bike every two years. Like, it was a weird, it was almost an assumption that someone still on a rim brake bike is some, you know, person that spends too much time on the internet and thinks rim brakes are faster. No, I like it. I like it. Good chat. By the way, that video, that, I don't know if it was just because they were doing it for YouTube, but the, everyone there, I shit you not, was in aero overshoes, no pins, uh, aero pocketed skin suits. I mean, this looked like the start of a road bike time trial and it's just the ch local chop off. I, I, I didn't, I thought uh, maybe they've gotten together. If, if you're in the UK, please let us know. Is this just what you do? Or, or had they just gotten dressed up because they wanted to go out and go super fast for the for a YouTube video? I, I honestly can't tell anymore because is this real life or is this, is this fantasy? I don't know. <laughs> you know. It was quite strange. At the uh, Tour of Norway, one of these co-op boys, so the other guy, besides Cedric Christofferson, this Anton Stedensby, who also has a YouTube channel, he won an intermediate sprint, and then the camera goes up to him, and he shouts out, check out my YouTube channel, or something like that. <laughs> oh, that was hilarious. Brilliant. Well, it worked. I, I, I logged on, I subscribed, I'm, I'm on board, you know, I, I, I rate it, I'm kind of getting around this team, I think they're, they're forward thinking, they're creating a bit of content, those boys are ripping in, Cedric had a great ride, didn't he? Yeah, he got 10th, yeah, 10th overall, GC, Tour of Norway. Uh, other quick thing, we got called out by the, the bonking buddies, oh, yeah. um, sorry, we, the bonk bros. I should say, the Bonk Bros, right? And this is a Dylan Johnson and his mates have a, a podcast. They called they called us out. Well, they called me out and they called the they called the show out. Um, look, people for our for our lack of knowledge about anything. How dare they? Geez, people think we're in a bubble. I mean, these fellas. I mean, <laughs> there's a there's a real there's a there's a there's a coaching gravel gravel bubble. Um, the, the only thing they weren't sure what Nero is, they thought Nero was the name of my coaching business, which, uh, which it is. But Nero coaching is a little, a slice, I guess. It's that's not what Nero is. Nero is a whole is a multinational conglomerate of cycling related outlets, of which one is a Nero coaching. Uh, where did can we talk about that, Chris? Where did where did Nero come from? It's a particularly uninteresting story, but but essentially it was well the name was you came from myself and a few mates doing B to B many years ago, Bathurst to Blaney, and we'd signed up as a team. Uh, we got to the start line, they herded us all together, and over the the loudspeaker, Robin Spruster or whatever her name is, the com commissioner comes over the loudspeaker and says, "Can Chris Miller go anything with Let lead names all out over the loudspeaker and says come to the start immediately so we come to the start I'm like what are we what's wrong uh you've signed up as a team but you don't have a team name and we we're like well what, what do you mean you have to have a team name so, okay can we give you a name and we were we we're wearing black jerseys and uh i can't actually remember maybe maybe they'll uh, sue me at some stage but came out and said uh, let's just call ourselves neuro then because we're all in black um, yeah, so that's literally where that came from. And flowing that on, that was the name of our race team when we started as a domestic race team. It was called Nero Racing uh, in 2016 or 17. Uh, and then we, you know, had a lot of success, some not a lot of success as well as most race teams do. Uh, and 2020, we became a continental team, so Nero Continental. So that's that's kind of where the the formation of the name has come from and, and yourself and Dan kind of separated the 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 naming of that from the, the coaching side. Is there anything else, Chris? So there was a there was and so Nero was is I think for it's kind of interesting if you took if you surveyed people that know of the name Nero in the cycling, what they know it from. I think probably the biggest slice now was obviously the Nero show, this, what we're on now. 
I, after that's probably the Nero team as Continental or before, there was also Nero as a apparel cycling apparel company for, for a little while. Well, I mean, the YouTube channel. I mean, essentially, the YouTube channel was branded as as Nero alongside with my own name in the in the beginning as well. But yeah, I mean, that's kind of where it came from. I don't know if you f- feel like this, and again, I'm going down the tangent here, but do you feel like, because I personally feel that everything that was Nero branded, whether that's the coaching or the team or the YouTube channel or this show, the Nero branded stuff has a feel and has a... I feel like it has a set of values, whether they're written down anywhere or not. Maybe people that follow us will agree. But there is a certain style to whatever it is that Nero does, whether it was the team uh, being sort of no dickhead policy, uh, not uh, not sort of elitist, like the EOI was open to anyone, anyone could apply, very kind of open door and and transparent, so not over-promising, trying to over-deliver and then also being high performance in the sense that generally whatever Nero has is associated with <laughs> does well I would say and but it all it, it all comes back to those similar values and I mean this show for example this show is uh same thing performs pretty well the views are good and is pretty down to earth uh the coaching business performs well is successful and the same thing. So I, I don't know. I don't know if you ever reflected on that, Chris, but generally whether, you know, we've never discussed this, but I feel like every, the, all the different things that Nero does, there's a similar value that, that gets applied to it. Absolutely. And I can feel like that's, so that's been pulled in lots of different directions, especially when the, the team was, was sort of operating, you know, you had sponsors and things like that, but ultimately all that was kind of bullshit. It came down to the individuals that were in the team because we were so team focused that the culture was important. And you mentioned the no dickhead policy. I'm going to go deep into that, but that was that was all about creating an atmosphere that um, was almost like anti anti cycling in the sense that cycling can very much be about the individual's achievement and what the individual is trying to get out of everything i mean that's that's especially at an amateur level it's very hard not to to fall into that trap because you are for a lot of people just going to be a a halfway house to wherever wherever else they want to go so creating that sort of atmosphere is is still into and and yourself you're a massive part of that and so was so was luke when we were trying to develop that culture and i do agree i kind of feel like there is a bit of a no that that kind of attitude that sort of no bullshit attitude has sort of continued on into into this discussion and the way we approach topics and and things like that. Anyway, th- uh, for for the for the for the the bonking buddies, that's that's what Nero is. Uh, yes, Nero is not a coach. <laughs> Nero is a coaching company, but uh, yeah, Nero is uh, much bigger than just. Uh, the coaching business what's a what's a bonking bro though i mean because i know in australia a, a bonking bro you know that's i know we're living in 2023 and that's all good but you know this potentially alienate a certain part of certainly parts of america i can guarantee you that it's when your blood sugar runs low chris you hit all right okay <laughs> We haven't commented on so far, but why the hell am I sitting here in a jersey? <laughs> it's because this is the Nero jersey. So skin suits sold out well, and the yeah performance is good. So we've done a round of jerseys, same as before. There's about ten in each size. I've gone one size up as well for the for the bigger lads. So going to an XXL. Uh, here it is, front and the back. Uh, Chris will put the link. In the uh, description, get around it. Sydney pattern on the sleeves, side logo on the arm, and yeah, really nice. Oh, by the way, it is a proper, it's a race fit. Yeah, that was my question. Okay. Yeah, that's so if you want a more relaxed fit or not to be rude, but if you're on the larger side, I would actually not to try and, you know, I'd love to do multiple different cuts, but it's freaking tight. It is, yeah, it's a proper race fit. So if you are on, you know, 
bigger size, I'm going to say, uh, yeah, maybe we can do a different, um, more relaxed fit down the track, but yeah, it is a proper, uh, did you get me, uh, did you get me a Jersey by any chance? What, and can I ask what size it was? I'm going to hold up the one you have and it looks, and it'll, it'll fit you because it's an extra small and it, it looks like a little girl's Jersey. Be worried about that, JC. I mean, in the states a bit. There's 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 sausages wrapped in pancakes over here that, you know, they've played a role in my life. No, I might have to might have to sub you in for a small. But yeah, I'll uh, I'll definitely drop that link down below and uh, get around it because I think the skin suit sold out in about two weeks. So, yeah, they did. I sorry, I know people messaged me asking. I'll try and oh, yeah. I'll, I have plans to do other runs, you know, down the track and maybe a bigger run so I can try and hold it in stock for a bit longer. Um, but the only thing I'll mention just with shipping on another site. So I fixed the site so you can pay in your currency, your local currency if you're overseas. And because I shipped all the skin suits, I have a shipping discount from the um, Australia Post domestic and international. So the shipping rates are a little bit more competitive. So yeah, if you're overseas, just check that out because it'll be a little bit easier for you this time around. Can we just chew the fat on your riding, Chris? Because you've been in the US for a few weeks. I just want to chat chat bike riding bike racing with you how's it been good good yeah i'm enjoying it i'm uh i've got got my head around the heat uh it's been lots of varied terrain uh what do you want to know what, what what's 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 interesting you well who, who, who have you been riding with i saw you i saw you out with vegan uh did a, doing a few loops you've also do you been to alviso yet i have I have. Okay, so you did it. Uh, yeah, been been running a little bit with Tyler. So he, for those of you who don't know, he kind of lives close enough to to Yosemite. Um, some big big kind of climbs around that area. Um, amazing views. I've got to say, like the guy where he's based, he's just got. He can literally roll out his front door, turn right, and go up twenty five minute berg. It's just it's just nuts. So yes, that's that's all very impressive. Uh, we had some we had some squeezes. So they have a local like race ride here in fresno um which i did probably a little bit too soon it was super hot uh blew my doors off hung on to the end had a little sprint for third uh it, but ultimately it was just really about me racing tyler uh in fact the whole week has been about me racing him and so we've done little little squeezes up all the climbs i must admit once he got me above a certain elevation yeah toasted me that was that was the only yeah. time he really put me on the line was when he got me to elevation and I just, yeah, I just went completely numb. Uh, once we got up towards the top of Glacier Point, I think. Yeah, it was really interesting. Like I, I, I can remember one of the climbs, like an hour and a half, we wanted to go for this hour and a half segment. And the first 40 minutes of this segment, I'm basically riding the front going, you know, come on, we can squeeze this a little bit harder. Come on. We're not going to, we're going to, gonna get this easily the last 40 minutes of that i was proper on his wheel staring at the hub just going when will this end and looking at my power meter which was saying like 270 and i'm like i'm empty i have nothing here so yeah it was pretty crazy the trade-off of that what's he like to ride with he's the perfect guy to ride with especially on an endurance ride because it just can talk like, he is exactly who he is on the videos. Like, you bring up a subject. Even, sorry, you don't have to bring up a subject. That's the great thing with him. He has an opinion on everything. Um, and he's kind of a little bit, how do I put this nicely? Um, he, he's not, he doesn't get stuck in the weeds of equipment stuff. Like, that's not his jam at all. He's far more keen to go down the route of... Um, uh, terrain or training or um, uh, like just the especially training stuff, nutrition stuff. Is there etiquette? Is he? Is he? Does he understand the endurance? Does he have the endurance ride etiquette? As close to as close to perfect endurance etiquette as I've experienced outside my my very small bubble. I have to say, very very um, exceptional behaviour. Now, there's been some. Terrible behavior from some uh, Velo Kings, I think they're referred to around here. Oh, those boys would be... F oh, every hill. Oh, dear. Every crest. Every crest. And then full sit-ups. Full sit-ups at the top. 
Yeah, full regroups. You know, uh, just unacceptable behaviour. Um, so no, Tyler. Tyler was a ten out of ten for endurance endurance tappage, actually. Um, and even to the point, like we're going through these super long segments, and like so, you know, like an hour and a half type thing. We were even holding the the sort of the pace to be just about chatting. So we're actually drafting each other at this point, but just around chatting level every now and again to kind of keep each other keep each other interested. So no, perfect, perfect from that regards. I don't think anyone that wears pit vipers knows what endurance etiquette is. It's just defies the laws of physics for that to happen. Yeah, I could I could imagine those fellas be totally different. Although, you know, on a ride with, with someone like Vegan that just won't shut up. Like, you know, when you're on those long rides and maybe you're starting to bonk a little bit and you it's getting a bit tiring and there's a dude that you're riding next to that just won't stop talking, which can be okay if they just talk and they're not expecting you to engage back. But I'm quite happy to just, especially when you're yeah, really up against it, I'll we'll go on a ride and it'll be 10 minutes. Nothing needs to be said. It doesn't need to be awkward. I'm quite happy just to ride side by side and not say anything. To to give him to give him his his juice. Okay. So in that section where we rode to Glacier Point, I'm gone. I'm rooted. I'm in all sorts. I'm probably bonking at this point. So I'm in that place, Jesse. So he's riding hard. Like so we're not chatting at this point, but we get to Glacier Point. All right, and it's pretty clear that I'm in a bad place. So he's not, but he realizes this. And this is, this is the key to a good riding buddy, I reckon. He realizes this and he doesn't go with the like, you know, oh, how was uh, this sort of section? Oh, yeah. There was there was almost, there was no chat. There was there was parked bikes, silence, straight in to the slop spot, the slop stop. Like Gatorades, Dr. Peppers, whatever, whatever was required. There's a, there's a whole story to how, what unfolds there, which will potentially appear in a video coming up soon. But Chris got very silky. That's all I will say. And it was understood. And there was a, a step back in the full vegan experience throughout that. So I, I will I will um, certainly credit him for a little bit of nuance to what's going on with said riding buddy in said bonking phase. Kudos. What about, okay, here's another one. Curious. On the group rides or that you're doing. You know when we used to do the old school Nero rides, you'd we, you'd have you'd have Toby, you'd have Calder, you'd have Wilson, and you'd just you'd on the loop, and it would just be an unspoken. You'd be riding two abreast, and an unspoken someone would roll to the front, and it's on, and you just and you're rolling turns, and it's just pure goes without saying. Okay, we're chopping off now. And no one needs to call it, right? It, it, was there that sort of etiquette uh, over there, or or was it really, guys? We we're going to start racing in five minutes at this town, or is it was there etiquette around the the, the race sections? So in my four group rides that I've done so far, so this is let's just take that with a grain of salt. The the chop off pace line, we're all working together to go fast, doesn't exist. Ultimately, it always ends in a race because someone will attack. And as soon as the attack occurs, it's all bets are off and away you go. Now, um, what I will say is in my experiences so far that that has come at a point where there's a start of a, a climb or something like that, mm-hmm. that it's just on at that, at that moment and there will be, a, will be a regroup type thing. Even, even the rides referred to as races they're not they're not even referred to as fast paced group rides uh, poor behavior that is quite yeah, poor see i don't know i mean I, I i can get around it. it look it's 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 not great from the perspective of the you know our, our kind of big thing with a lot of this stuff is the 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 quote-unquote weaker rider it's better for them to have the chop off because you can you can start to sit on you can you can play a few games all that kind of stuff and if you are strong you can just roll harder turns and that, that kind of works that well. This doesn't allow for that very much. It's pretty brutal. 
And, and what I've actually found is what ends up happening is it becomes super tactical. So can we talk about our visa? Because I'm fresh off our visa. I'm not going to go into specifics of the, the race itself, but, and it is a race. There's, there's, again, there is no chat here of, right, boys, fast, fast paced group ride. It is a legit race with absolute race tactics. And it's, it's not mates versus mates race tactics. It's you wear your team jersey and you are representing the team and you will not chase your teammate, et cetera, et cetera. That's, that's all, all being played in this, in this place. Uh, it was kind of weird from my perspective doing it because it was, you know, I'm riding the course going, is this, is this real life? Am I here? Like, you know, I'm so used to just seeing this on my like video game. but now I'm actually like riding it. It was, uh, was, was pretty interesting. I mean, so how fast is it? How strong are these fellas? Are, are, are they, you know, are they actually quick? Is there any Jesse Coils there? What, or, or is it, you know, how is it compared to the chop? Spoiler alert, I didn't win. So I can't come on here and say uh, everyone's weak as piss uh, and I just rode away from everyone. But it's pretty short. So it's only 30 minutes. It was like 32, 33 minutes. It, there's not a lot of selection points. It wasn't particularly windy um, and... In my experience, in my experience, uh, the the selection was made quite early, and there was a big group of six of us away, and then it became, well, we're just going to ride. But what are they chopping? What are they, are they like? You know, are you chopping at forty eight? Like, what's the speed? Like, are we, how, how hard are we talking here? Are these are these A grade? Because these are their cap. Are they cap ones? There? Did you you know what's the? I have no idea. Who are these guys? What is this? Well, Jeff was there. <laughs> Okay. Jeff was there. So, okay, Jeff. Jeff. So, Jeff, right? How, how would Jeff go at Heffron? Jeez, that's a huge question. Is he making the, is he, is he, is he front group or is he getting spat? I think, I think he'd need a few, I think he'd need to do a few before he'd get around. What about, oh, what about at the chop? Is he, is he rolling turns for 60 minutes at, at the chop? Here's the problem, Jesse. I don't know. I don't know. Look, again, this is going to come off as proper dickhead chat because I didn't win and I sort of yeah so there's there's all that but how do I put this there was no moment where it's in your it's in the right hand gutter you're just seeing senseless stars to just hang in there like that that was never a reality that's what I'm trying yeah because you watch these videos and you watch you watch a NorCal commentary from a Cap One, and then you watch an act like one of the Legion videos, and it's hard to see how his his Cap One sort of race bunch fits in against a a Legion crit. You know when they got the team lined out, it's obviously extremely fast, extremely high level. But these other ones, you're kind of like, Are these is this a fake news A grade or is this? Real A-grade, so sounds like maybe a bit of fake news A-grade by sounds of things. I'll say it if you don't want to. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I've got some massive Alviso regrets. Like I was saying to Jeff, I'm going to come back because I, I was super defensive. You know, sometimes you go into the, because you don't know anyone who's there, I was very defensive and I had this really shit mindset for the whole thing about just making sure I follow the right wheels instead of probably trying to be more on the front foot. And it's going to be a, quite a good video with with Jeff going going through it because it kind of that becomes really obvious in the end that I get quite defensive, um, and that's not that would I would never race like that like ever in in Sydney. So I am I'm kind of pissed off the way I actually approached it, but yeah, it's it's hard to say because I was thinking about this on the drive back. If we turned our race our fast paced group rides into a race right so where where the guys who are on teams race as teammates and we just we raced it like that i actually think it would become it would become a bit like this it would become a bit easier because you start to then just do the thing where you would follow wheels and and all that kind of stuff so i don't know it's it feels hard to compare like for like well, the other thing I wanted to mention about Alviso, like we do, we do say a good bit about Centennial Park, Sydney, you know, big name band, Bright Brands, 
expensive bikes. I think we've been topped, Jesse. I think we've been topped. There were some machines going around that place. I've certainly never seen so many treks in my life or trek medones in my life. And so, yeah, there's, that was a, uh, it was quite an, well, I, I felt at home almost, but it was, it was treks and specialized. I know it's just a cliche, but yeah, apart from Jeff Scott, which I did, I did get to have a little, well, I couldn't actually ride it. I didn't realize how tall, but not tall Jeff is. So he's almost my height, but he rides a bike two sizes bigger than me because he's got massive legs, like just long legs. So, but really interesting that Scott Foyle is it's really narrow in real in real life. Like, yeah, I, I don't know how else to describe it. It seems very... You look at the profile shot of it and it looks like big, thick-tubed aero bike. But then you get on and you're like, holy shit, this is like paper thin. Like, yeah, very noticeable. It's like the dogma. that I, That's what I noticed. And like the back end of the SL8. Yeah, always... Yeah. Thinner in 3D. Oh. So I know you mentioned a couple of weeks back that uh, we were asking, like, can people test ride bikes? And I think we were all kind of saying, it's not really a big thing anymore. Well, one of the places that still does it is Park Bikes in Sydney. And JC, did you did you see this during the week? Yeah, I, I, I saw, I almost reposted it. I was that pissed off with it. Um, Yeah. A guy walks in. Leaves his ID to test ride an uh, elect- electric focus uh, mountain bike, and then turns out it's a fake ID, and he never comes back. He rides off with the bike. Sorry, I shouldn't laugh. It's not funny, but far out. What a piece of trash. Um, I mean, what do you, what do you do? So it wasn't an, it wasn't even a, it wasn't an it wasn't an e bike. I just assume all mountain bikes are e bikes now. It was just a mountain bike. But damn, uh, that's... I don't know, I was just sort of saying like local bike stores cop enough for not being sort of as customer-orientated as, as they can be. They're not carrying enough raw stock. You know, you, you can't test ride this. How are we meant to know? And then you hear stories like this. It's just uh, such a bummer, such a shit. You know the problem? Because he walks in, they've posted photos of him. He doesn't look like he's got... Two dollars to rub together. He's in a grey tracksuit pant. He rolls in on a scooter, like a like a push scooter. I mean, you don't want to get called out for profiling, but if you, someone looked like he was going to steal a bike, it's this guy. So what do you say if he tries? If you're running a bike shop and someone like this walks in looking like him, looking like he's got no money and wants to test ride your bike, test ride a a, a mountain bike which. It wouldn't even be used for delivery because it's not an e-bike. Like if someone was test riding an e-bike, you could say, okay, look, this person looks like an Uber Eats driver. I could see it. But that's a great point. Like you could you could easily see something like this appearing on like current affair or, or whatever it is, the, the, the nightly news as the, you know, racist bike shop doesn't doesn't let certain demographic person rent their bike because they don't like them you know and this is ultimately the reason why stuff like this sometimes happens yeah i mean i really feel sorry for for nash um one of the one of the good men uh bloody good bike racer thank god he's not right racing much anymore uh but yeah obviously goes out. so i'll put the link to that down below underneath the show and you know, you know see the bike so I'm a little bit freer just in terms of like when I ride, but also I'm not really following any kind of training or anything while I'm here, but I can kind of just ride, well, not as long as I want, but I'm, I'm a, look, I'm a little bit freer to ride how long I want here, but I've cert- I've really found that there's this absolute threshold, like the perfect, the perfect like length of ride for me is between two and a half hours and three hours about that that's like if if my ride is that length it doesn't affect anything else i do during the day it gets gives me enough of a of a buzz that i've ridden somewhere and done something but I, i'm not dead dad like no i'm not kicking the football i'm just 
to die and I'm recovering. It's like the perfect little window. And it doesn't take me, if I, if I like ride for three and a half hours, it's just, no, the cliff is, the cliff is really, really steep after that. Like after I did the, that ride with uh, Tyler up to Yosemite, like I was, don't talk to me after that waste of time. In fact, I really didn't enjoy the whole experience towards the back end because I just knew I was in a bad state. What about you? Like, do you do you have a a nice little window, like a threshold that's the perfect ride length? I don't really. Even if I just do if I just do an hour and a half, two hours, I still I still find it affects me, makes me a little bit more distracted for the rest of the day. I find it harder to focus. So not necessarily because I'm tired. I just don't know. My brain just struggles to focus as well after exercising. So I, I that's why I like to ride in the afternoon. So I can get more work done in the morning. Um, but people say the opposite. Some people are like, oh, I can't can't work until I've done some exercise so I can, you know, focus. I think everyone, yeah, everyone's brains just work differently. And that's how mine works. So, yeah, I like to do in the afternoon, regardless of how long it is, really. So you'll, you'll do whatever that ride is. And then you're, you're kind of saying that you're a bit of a rider after that, no matter. Yeah, pretty much. That's why I, don't, I try not to leave too much uh, on my plate work-wise after I ride. I mean, obviously, if I need to get some more work, then I can. Um, but yeah, my preference is to, to try and get it done before. And that way as well, I, uh, I have a thing as well. Let's say I've got to do a, th- a three-hour ride and... Like this is gonna sound it's like most people don't do three hour rides midweek because they've got work. So, but if I'm let's say it's a Wednesday and I'm two hours into a three hour ride and I'm it, it, it's it's nine a.m. I'm more likely to ditch that ride because I've got the excuse of oh I need to go home and start work. Even though I can do that work, I'll get that work done anyway. Whereas if it's in the afternoon. And I've already done my work for the day. I have no excuse to cut my ride short and go home. And I, I yeah, I find having that excuse of I need to go home and do whatever it is, uh, is makes me more likely to cut a ride short. So I like to get the excuses out of the way earlier in the day and then do the ride. That was the, the reason I kind of brought that up is I was talking to a few guys at the Alviso thing, because that starts at 12, I think I'm right in saying, Jeff, correct me if I'm down, wrong, like 12.30. Okay, it was 12.30 in the afternoon. Well, mid midnight, And it's, the guys, it's so clockwork because because the time is, you know, that's, guys are clearly fitting this into, you know, their, their day. It's awesome. It's like, it's literally like everyone's looking at their clock, you know, 10.30, go, it's like, bang, go. Um, and some of, the, some of the guys there were saying that, it's the perfect window of ride for them because it's a half an hour out there, half an hour print ride, half an hour ride back. It's like that hour and a half. It doesn't affect anything that they do. It doesn't re- require much pre-thought. Oh, that's as if. No way. I'd be, I'd be so... You'd get back, you know, there goes 20 minutes sitting on Strava. There goes 20 minutes in an Instagram group DM discussing who was strongest on the ground. Then some photos pop up. Oh, you got to post, put them, upload them to your Strava. Ah, you, could, you, you could burn an hour easy just on the post chop, you know, accessory. I was, saying this to, I was saying this to Jeff that I'm surprised he doesn't get more pushback from the people because he, he does so many videos about Alvito. I'm surprised I didn't get more pushback from like the guys doing it saying like, can you just not put me in it? Cause it's like lunchtime on a Tuesday. I don't really want my employer to, and he's like, anyway, I just kind of thought that was, that was interesting. I, I should also mention that we did, we did the narration of, um, the video of me riding Alvista literally like 20 minutes. We get home. He hasn't showered. I have a quick shower. And we just go straight into the narration. So can I just, I just want to oh, make you, what more you people. Said? Chris, Chris went a little hot. So um, I, I was thinking about it this morning. I, I'm a bit worried about what I said. I might need to actually like call that? Jeff and get a, get a take of it. Um, yeah. So uh, I just want to apologize to some of it. Got to my family. I'm not really that bad. 
essentially. Um, oh, yeah, big night. Oh, God. Yeah, sorry. Sorry, Thirsty Bear, I think the team was, and I might have named some games. Oh, you've yeah. laid them out. Oh, God. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I won't be back. That'll be it. Chris is, Chris is gone. All right, thanks for your time, JC. This is uh, this is our last show, or my last show from the US. We'll be back to our normal operations for the next episode. But again, Jesse, thank you for your time. Link to the jerseys down below, and we will see you real soon. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.